We're joined in the studio by Marcus Hampson, a refugee rights activist and someone who travelled to Southeast Asia and specifically Thailand and other uh, routes along the refugee transit uh, passageway, if you like, in that part of the world that's been in the news so much uh, for very horrible reasons in recent days with uh, hundreds, possibly even thousands of people drowning en route uh, from Burma through, via Indonesia and Malaysia, presumably some trying to get to Australia eventually and uh, either drowning or being turned back by the Indonesians and reportedly now Ma- Malaysia and Thailand also involved in turning back boats. Um, Marcus, can I start, uh, I guess, with an open-ended question, which is just tell us about uh, that trip you undertook uh, to Thailand. I think you went to Indonesia as well and, and, and what, what you were doing in, in, you know, in that part of the world a couple of years ago. Yeah, look, I'll probably I'll talk about it in um, general terms, I think would be easiest. Um, I, I was there because I was following my partner who um, was over there as part of her study, um, studying human rights. Um, but as an activist, I'd linked up with other activists and people living in refugee situations across the region. Um, the general experience for people, whether they be um, Rohingya or Karen or Shan from Burma or whether they be uh, Hazara or, or anyone really living as an asylum seeker in the region, they all share the similar difficulties that they don't have a, certainly not a permanent um, legal status, um, if any legal status at all, to be living in those countries. So to be there means that they have no protection. Um, they don't have legal rights to work. They're not allowed to attend school. Um, even going to hospitals and things are very difficult for people to do. And they they live with the constant threat that the authorities, um, even though they may tolerate them to an extent, could at any time come and round them up, um, detain them. And, and often the authorities will do that purely for, well, political reasons or even for their own personal financial gain, detain people and then extort them for money to be able to let them out. Now, can you explain that to us further, Marcus? Because uh, I think one of the elements that's going to be confusing for people following this story, and, and I must say, I, I feel confused by it sometimes myself, is that, uh, I mean, I saw a photo of some of these uh, uh, refugees holding up their United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees uh, registration cards, in other words, showing that they have official uh, internationally recognised documentation showing that they are refugees. And yet, as you say, they don't have legal status uh, in these transit countries. They're, they're treated terribly, don't have right to work, study, etc. I mean, there's there's clearly a contradiction there. So I suppose the one question that, that arises is, you know, what role does the UN play? It's uh, They seem to hand out these registration cards and then is it fair to say that the, these people are then left more or less to fend for themselves? Yeah, look, I suppose I should clarify the... Um the role of the UN here is that unlike Australia likes to present the UNHCR as though all refugees go through this legitimate process, which is becoming under UNHCR protection. And then out of that protection of the UNHCR, countries should politely resettle them out and everyone should just sit there and wait. That's not the case. Um, The UNHCR are not looking to set up a a global resettlement system that they manage. They only intervene when states are refusing to or failing to be able to uphold the protections of refugees themselves. But the primary means for refugee protection, as far as the UNHCR is concerned, is that nation states should take the lead and responsibility for resettlement and protection themselves. Uh, So now you're getting countries like Indonesia and Thailand where the UNHCR can negotiate with them to come in and provide some administration, some protection that they're able to, uh, to take care of the situation. Um, and this would 
be part of a, a range of negotiations that go on on the UNHCR's part to be allowed to come into the country. Um, so once there, they may administer the refugee determination status, uh, sorry, refugee status determination, I should say. And to some extent, they will coordinate for other NGOs to provide uh, limited uh, support so that they can live in the community. But that's while that's tolerated, certainly the UNHCR is not able to provide that protection to everybody that comes to them. And certainly being tolerated by the government doesn't mean that you are protected from ever being picked up by the authorities or deported at any time. And clearly the role they're playing is limited because, as you've explained, uh, th- that role doesn't extend to actually uh, resettlement of uh, refugees and their families. So they're in a sense the UN can administer, uh, provide some immediate welfare, but uh, no prospect of resettlement and, and uh, longer term future for these people and, and, their, and their families. I wanted to, to quote uh, our Prime Minister, our esteemed Prime Minister, Marcus Tony Abbott, who said uh, a couple of days ago, I don't apologise in any way for the action that Australia has taken to preserve safety at sea by turning boats around where necessary. And if other countries choose to do that, frankly, that is almost certainly absolutely necessary if the scourge of people smuggling is to be beaten. Uh, I mean, what are your comments in response to that? Is that not a reasonable uh, assertion by a Prime Minister to uh, be saving lives at sea? Yeah, certainly not reasonable. And, and what an absolute lie that it's ever been about saving lives at sea. Um this has been, yeah, look, I don't think we need to explain to the listeners of this program the political tool that um, refugees have been used by the likes of the Abbott government. Um, but what we now have is this situation with anywhere between 6,000 to 8,000 people left stranded out at sea um, who have been pushed back from Indonesia, pushed back from Thailand, pushed back from Malaysia and are now left just floating around with nowhere to go. This is the direct result of the likes of the Abbott government's line of stop the boats, that this is what stop the boats means. It does, stop the boats does not save lives at sea. Stop the boats means die at sea. And that's what's happening right now. People have nowhere to go. The politics of this has always been discussed in terms of uh, just a really inward looking domestic context where people just go, well, as long as they're not coming here, I don't care, they go somewhere else. But what we're finding out now, there is nowhere else to go and people are left stranded, starving at sea. Um, I, I would also make the point that uh, this this is directly the result of Australia's intervention into the region. For more than a decade now, Australian governments have been investing vast sums of money and, and political influence to get the likes of Indonesia, Malaysia and Thailand to join them in cracking down on people smuggling, um, in, investing in... Uh, deterrence policies, detaining people, deporting them uh, and putting up the walls so that people can't can't come into their countries. And this is exactly what we've now found. And we've got people yeah, floating around at the sea with nowhere to go. Now, as you say, uh, up to 8,000 mostly Rohingyans and also we've heard uh, uh, Bengalis, uh, I'm sure uh, a few other people, desperate people uh, are fleeing all uh, forms of persecution in the region uh, with nowhere to go in a limbo state uh, at sea. Uh, Phil Robinson perhaps uh, said it best of Human Rights Watch Asia when he accused Indonesia, Thailand and Malaysia, and I think you could throw Australia into that mix as well, of playing, quote, a three-way game of human ping pong. Um, I mean, a pretty devastating uh, appraisal there uh, by uh, that that particular human rights uh, advocate. I mean, what is the solution here, Marcus? Is there any prospect of, uh, when we keep hearing hearing this phrase, don't we, regional solution, regional solution, as you've said, the focus tends to be a regional solution on human trafficking. But what prospect is there of a 
you know, a humane regional solution uh, emerging for these people um, yeah, anytime soon? Um, yeah, look, I don't... Th- I think there's so much international attention uh, on this particular group of boats and people that um, at some point um, something has to give. I mean, it would be horrific for the world to sit by and watch uh, thousands of people literally starve to death at sea when all they have to do is let them come in and land at their shores. Um, Yeah, as far as the regional solution, look, there very much could be a regional solution to resettling people. but Australia would be best placed to take a lead in that. That would mean Australia probably more than doubling its resettlement intake. And if over the last decade, if Australia had been working across the region saying, you know, look, we'll, we'll provide money and, to, and support to be able to support people and temporarily when they come into these countries and we'll provide a pathway to resettlement and Australia will put, we'll put our hands up and we'll take the lead in those resettlement numbers. And um, we probably could have got some cooperation across the region to provide some stability for people um, and provide protection to people in refugee situations long term. Um, But that's not what's been going on. Uh, The complete opposite has been happening in that Australian governments have only been interested in um, building up border security and preventing people from being able to land and seek protection. And now we've seen other countries fall into line behind that. And you you mentioned those quotes from Abbott earlier and and the the bit that went on uh, beyond that um, is that Abbott then said... Well, if we now need to take more uh, rigorous action at the high seas outside of Burma, then so be it. So his now solution is not just um, we'll turn them away when they come here for protection, but he's now actually advocating that we work to trap people in the countries that they are in which they're being persecuted. So when he says that, we need to make it quite clear what Abbott is has in mind is that not only will Rohingya people be turned away when they come here for safety, but he'll actually invest resources on the borders of Burma to keep them trapped in Burma, where they will be tortured, imprisoned, where the houses are being burnt down and where Rohingya people are being killed.